0: Welcome to Murder at Land Between the Lakes, a podcast about the unsolved murders of teenage sisters Carla Atkins and Vicki Stout, a 40-year-old cold case that took place in Dover, Tennessee. This is the next chapter, a season of justice, and we are your hosts, Amelia Courtney and Lainey Sullivan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Murder at Land Between the Lakes, Season (laughs) 2. So I'm Lainey Sullivan, and I'm here with Amelia Courtney, and we're so glad to be back and to bring to you the first episode of this new season. It's so good to be back, and it's
1: so good to be back with
0: you, Lainey. (laughs) I know, and I am thinking how long it's been since our last episode. It's probably, what, like three months since we... Last put out an episode, and I just want to let everybody know that the reason that we haven't had an episode in the past three months is because we've been working hard behind the scenes, and there really is only so much information that we can share as there is an ongoing investigation, but we really are excited to bring this episode to you today um, titled The Day the World Stood Still.
1: So we have a special guest with us today, right, Amelia? Yeah, we do, and we're actually so excited to bring to you today the Honorable District Attorney General Ray Crouch junior He'll be joining us a little bit later on.
0: Yes, and bringing us the latest and greatest on what he can share about the ongoing investigation.
1: Right, we're so excited to
0: have him with us. So for today's episode, again, the day the world stood still, Amelia and I were thinking about times in our lives Right, that yeah. everything just came to a screeching halt.
1: Yeah, right. So there's definitely times in your life that were tragic to you, right? So maybe it was um a horrible time that maybe someone in your family passed away. And you know, there's times that you look out the window and maybe it's still a beautiful day, but it was very sad to you, and you're like, why is the world still moving? Like why are people still enjoying their day when I'm so upset? Like this shouldn't be happening. Um, but the world still moves. Mm-hmm. But then there's also times in the in your world when the world just seems to stand still. When whether it's happening in our country or it's happening to the whole world, and it just seems like everyone's just standing still. And so, for instance, like let's take it. <laughs> let's take what happened recently, mm-hmm. um, the unprecedented event at the Capitol um, on January sixth. Like you know, the whole world seemed to be looking at our country and taking a look at what was happening. And you know, for instance, you know. You know, a lot of people may, you know, know that even um, Stuart County Mayor Robin Brandon was there um, just in D.C. Yeah. And um, there was a lot of talk going around um, Stewart County about there were some articles in the newspaper um, about Robin Brandon being there, about the mayor being there. But um, a lot of people were talking about um, what was happening at the Capitol. I mean, that mm-hmm. was an event that's going to be in history books for years to come. Like mm-hmm. our kids, kids will be studying that. But what was happening then? Um, and then, you know, let's, we can just talk about a few events that happened that we remember as children, we remember as adults, and there's, you know, other events that happened before our time that we can talk about. Yeah, I would say the
0: major event, like when we talk about this subject, that comes to my mind, and probably the majority of people, is September 11th. The day that the airplanes were... Flown into the World Trade Center. I was in Hoboken, New Jersey, and watched it like as it unfolded. Um, I know everybody across the world, whether they were at home, whether they were at work, whether they were traveling, remembers probably every detail of where they were and what they were doing when they found out about that attack?
1: September 11th, um, I was a flight attendant at the time. Mm. I was dating a firefighter at the time. Uh, September 11th definitely holds um, a very dark place in my heart as well. And I think, like you said, I think everybody was glued to a TV, weren't wondering, you know, where everyone in their family was. Mm -hmm. Probably everybody in the world was wondering what was happening next. You know, what was, you know, I think people like Every, across the country were wondering you know what you know were planes falling out of the sky what was happening I think everybody remembers that day very specifically probably remember exactly what they were wearing what they were doing
0: I remember what I ate I remember what I was thinking I remember everything about yeah. that day like just all of my senses were kind of very very on on and, heightened. Um, and I don't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday, Amelia, but right. I can tell you what happened on September 11th. Right, <laughs> I
1: know, exactly, yeah.
0: Um, also, the like another event that really stood out in my mind is the earthquake that happened in San Francisco during the World Series game. My dad was actually in San Francisco no, during I, that time. Uh, and just, that was before cell phones. Um, you know, we had no idea if he was safe, and just seeing all the events yeah. unfold on the TV without having any contact was just extremely frightening um, you know just having having a, a person that you of your family that you love being missing for any amount of time mm-hmm. um, is really super just devastating oh my can't God. even imagine yeah
1: and I bet he can remember every detail that day <laughs> yes oh my gosh <laughs> and he probably retells it he tells us that story
0: and it just is chilling yeah. because you hear of like the devastation of the city. <laughs> And yeah. what was going on. And he was fortunate to get out and relatively quickly. But it was still extremely
1: scary. Yeah. Another event yeah. I think about sometimes. And I don't remember that well because I was, um, wasn't too young. But I remember when the Berlin Wall came down. And I remember you know Tom Brokaw reporting mm-hmm. live you know, from Germany. And um, that was an event I bet a lot of people can really remember yeah. a lot about.
0: Such an historic event. Another yeah. one
1: is the, um,
0: the Chernobyl incident. And just recently, HBO has come out with a mini series about Chernobyl. I remember that event happening. I remember vague details. Mm-hmm. Um, and really digging into that documentary, I yeah. think, is just such an amazing account of what was really going on and how... Uh, one of the best miniseries that I've seen, just what was really happening and how they pulled every single resource to make sure that they were able to contain that
1: situation. Yeah. It's just I'm watching now it's frightening. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> it's extremely frightening. And, you know, another thing is, I think a lot of people, this is actually before, you know, our time, but I think our friends in, you know, Tennessee remember very well was, you know, the day Martin Luther King was killed. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like, you know, coupling that with, John F. And Kennedy yeah. and Princess Diana when she died. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people dying that, you know, key people in our world that died. And I think a lot of people can place themselves, you know, where they were that day and mm-hmm. what they were doing.
0: Yeah. Just because the shock and the awe of the information and just digesting it really causes you to, I don't know, it it, it burns an imprint on your brain mm-hmm. that just never goes away.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you just remember exactly where you were those days. Mm
0: -hmm. Like the Space Shuttle Challenger, that disaster that happened, I think everybody our age, especially if we were in in school at that point, which I was, and you were too, Mm -hmm. right, Amelia, Um, was just so devastating because there had been so much information just playing up to it about preparing for this mission. And then everybody was watching. Like, everybody was watching.
1: Yeah, I remember that day in third grade. I'm just going to say her name, too. She'll love it. Jill Hazelwood. I uh, remember seeing her face, because she loved NASA, and she followed it so closely. And see, watching her face just be devastated in school that day uh, was just so sad. I sent her a note the other day on the anniversary of mm-hmm. the Challenger, because um, it was just one of the saddest days um, in elementary school. Like We studied yeah. for it, and like you just remember watching um, the teacher and... You know, yeah. leading up to it, we saw stud- You were studying it so hard, and it was just so sad.
0: But then you, you bring up a good point that like, you have this
1: unbreakable now connection mm-hmm.
0: with your friend because you guys experienced that together mm-hmm. and went through those range of emotions mm-hmm. at the same time together. That's an unbreakable bond. Yeah. yeah. Um, another one that <laughs> personally is imprinted in my head. Is the OJ Simpson white Bronco chase? Like, I, I honestly, I think I could ask anybody that I know um, that was alive at that point and aware of what mm-hmm. was going on, and they will tell you where they were mm-hmm. when OJ was in the white Bronco. I
1: actually think that
0: more people can tell you where they were when OJ was in the white Bronco than when they actually read the verdict.
1: Right, I know. <laughs> that, I think watching that Bronco on the highway, mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right. <laughs> I think Because it was so
0: unbelievable at the time. Right. They closed down the freeways in Los Angeles. Right. And he was just, dry. I mean, it was just, nothing like that has ever happened. So, anyway, I I know that that isn't as mm-hmm. big of a, say, disaster as maybe some things. But again, there are just that. certain aspects, like shocking, unprecedented, um, close to home, personal that these types of events really do cause you to take everything in mm-hmm. and
1: keep that to yeah. become part of you as the person that you are for right forever. So these events, you know, some of them are very personal um, to me, you know, and like you said, like I said, like 9-11 was very personal to me and I'm sure some of these events are very personal to some of our listeners and, you know, like the earthquake event was very personal to you in the sense mm-hmm. of like your dad was there and... to our listeners, some of these may be very, very personal to them, but I want to tell you about an event. It wasn't like a worldwide event, but an event that happened to me um, when I was just a kid. And I lived in South Fulton, as I think most of our listeners know, not far from Dover. But in 1987, there was a little girl from Union City, Tennessee, about 10, 12 miles from my home that went missing. And maybe a lot of our listeners from Stewart County remember this, but her name was Marlena Childress. And I remember this day like it was yesterday. She went missing. And the phone calls, it was like, you know, this is before cell phones again, obviously. And this is even before Amber Alerts. Because Amber Alerts came around in 1996. So the chain event of, like, phone calls going around to all the parents and everybody about this little girl going missing was just incredible. Like, basically, get your kids, you know, make sure you know where your kids are. Like, where are your children? And my mom was working at the hospital, And, like, all the doctors were leaving. Like, everybody from the hospital was leaving to go on this search. Like, you know, all the nurses. Everybody was, like, basically everybody was leaving work to go, like, on this manhunt looking for the man who took this little girl. Um, the, The girl's mom said she saw a man in a red car pick up her daughter. So this was just not the normal for, you know, these small towns. So I remember my brother and I. Um, like in the yard, which we probably shouldn't have been outside, but <laughs> we were in the yard with a stick in the ditch and like thinking, you know, being like these like little amateur sleuths, like mm-hmm. thinking we're going to like find this red car and we are going to save this little girl. And just this guttural feeling of like wanting to help, like already thinking, you know, we're going to save this girl. We're just going to watch every car. We lived on a kind of, sort of a busy street where cars would go by and we're just watching each car go by. But I just, my point is I remember... Every single thing about that day. I remember the feeling outside. It was kind of cool. I remember what I had on. I remember my coat. I just remember everything about it. And I didn't even live in Union City. Didn't know this little girl. Didn't know family. Didn't know nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I remember her face on the TV. I remember watching the news with my parents. I remember how upset my parents were. I just remember my parents feeling scared. Like mm-hmm. I just remember how they felt. So I can almost take myself back to 1987 and put my nine-year-old self back in that ditch,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like and prepare to like rescue this little girl. So if you think about like personalizing events that made your world stand still, it really makes you take pause. And when you think about what Carl and Vicky's family were thinking on September 17th, and then like you really think about those dreadful three weeks that they were missing. But then, you're like, you have to follow that up with their worst nightmare coming true, like, on October 5th.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, how often do you think they, like, really relive those moments, Lainey? I mean, like, I think about, like, I really remember that day. But, like, how often do you think their family thinks about, like, that time?
0: Oh, I think that they probably feel like it's been 40 years, but then at the same time, it was just yesterday. Yeah. I'm sure they remember every single detail of... Where they were, what they were wearing, what they were doing, who they were with, who reached out. That whole entire nightmare scenario is mm-hmm. something that they live with every single day, uh-huh. not mm-hmm. knowing who.
1: Was responsible in the sequence of events, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been forty years ago. I mean, but I can guarantee you, like you just said, it was probably like yesterday to them. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's time has never moved, you know. Mm -hmm. Like it just stood still, like literally stood still for them. You know, I I'd really like to pose a question, like to all of our listeners that live in Dover and in the Paris area. You know Carla and Vicky, you know, had lived in Paris right before they moved to Dover, and mm-hmm. they said they, they hadn't been in Dover that long uh, before they went missing, but where were you that September day, or like even that week, but where were you and where were you on that September day when you heard the news that Carl and Vicky were missing? Call us and tell us like about that day that you remember like you probably remember a lot more than you think. I mean, tell us the day you heard that their bodies had been found. Tell us the day. Like you like what you remember when the, your teacher told you that they were never coming back to school, mm-hmm. like tell us about your parents telling you what had happened to them. I mean, that had to have been traumatizing for your parents, and it had to be really hard on them to tell you what had happened to the two teenagers. I mean, mm-hmm. if you were a kid yourself and your parents had to tell you like what happened to these two little girls i, I and mean, that was yeah. awful for them and Amelia, this is like. This is a very
0: small town mm-hmm. where everybody pretty much knows everybody else. Yeah. Or almost. Mm-hmm. It's like one degree of separation.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, most likely, if you're from Dover, you knew the girls or you knew their family or you knew people that they were very close with. So you know, any information that you recall right. about interacting with anybody...
1: And I think what I'm even trying to say is if you didn't know them even, you knew about the murders Mm -hmm. and your family had to tell you that two girls were murdered. And I I just want to hear how you were told about it. Like, I want to hear like what you felt that day. Mm -hmm. Like even if you were in third grade and your parents told you, had to tell you that you can't go outside today or for a little while because there's a murderer on the loose, like I want to hear about that. Can you call us and tell us your story? Mm-hmm. Like, tell us what you felt. Because you hadn't been scared. I was scared when Marlene Childress was missing. Like, we were scared. Yeah. So will you tell us your story? Like, mm-hmm. call us and tell us. We want to hear about it.
0: Yeah. What was your gut instinct when mm-hmm. you first heard that information? Did you feel like you may have known what had happened to the girls?
1: hmm Yeah. And then... You know, especially while they were missing, did you think they had run away? But what was your feeling when you found it out the horror Mm -hmm. of what had actually happened to them? Yeah. Can you Mm -hmm. actually take your nine-year-old self, your 16-year-old self, or were you 20, 30? How old are you? And can you take yourself and put yourself back into 1980 and put yourself back into Dover? And remember that September day. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody and welcome back to Murder at Land Between the Lakes. Uh, today we have uh, the pleasure of having the Honorable uh, Ray Crouch, uh, District Attorney General. And so we, um, we'll just jump right in and we'll start asking questions. Um, welcome, uh, General. Thanks for joining us.
2: Sure. Thanks for asking
1: me. Wonderful. Well, thanks for
0: taking time today. So um, so to start us off, we were wondering just how you initially got involved in this cold case. Like, when did you first learn of this case, and then how did you engage in it?
2: Well, that's a good question. I, when the homicide occurred, I was only four years old, so obviously I was not aware of it as a child. Uh, in fact, I grew up in a different county, so I didn't know much at all about Stewart County. But I became a prosecutor in 2002. So as an assistant D.A., I was aware of the case, but had no uh, real knowledge I never looked at a case file. And then in 2014, I was elected as the district attorney and I and I took I had a couple of assistant D.A.s and assigned them to reopening some of the cold cases in our district. And I chose to hang on to this one specifically. So that's when I really jumped in head first was in the fall of 2014.
1: 2014. Yeah, in 2014. And so then in 2015, you came in, and so that was um, the, let's see, what anniversary would that be? That makes... 35th. The 35th anniversary, right? And so you came in yes. and you did an interview there at the bank, and I believe you had um, guests come, or the locals would come in, and they were able to do um, interviews with you. can you tell us a little bit about that were you able to obtain information you didn't know about at that time
2: yeah so we were able to do two things which is i think are good for any investigation we were able to get new information but we were also able to exclude and disprove prior information that was either based on just bad memories or false uh recollection or quite frankly rumor Uh, so accomplished several things uh, throughout the course of that. I think it
0: was an entire day we spent at the bank interviewing people. Mm-hmm. So that's um, that's wonderful. One of the things that we had actually heard, um, it seems to be a rumor, is that there was evidence that went missing from the back of an agent's car at one point. Um, any, Is that an old wives' tale or is there a truth to that? Do you have any... any statement
2: on that well I don't exactly know the answer to that again that was in in 1980 I like you have always heard the rumor I can't prove that evidence went missing I mean what I can prove is we have a room full of evidence that's been stored at the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation uh, laboratories uh, and their various buildings for all these years Uh, there we don't have a, a eyewitness that says that evidence went missing from the back of a vehicle so uh, I mean I I can't you know there's just going to be some things that I don't have an
1: answer to yeah that makes total sense right that's why it's so easy to like always (laughs) we have to always say alleged right Mm -hmm. so there's no way to ever there's so much in this case that there's really no way to prove anything because in 1980 there's there's hardly any paper trail in this case, right? There's no, yeah, yes. There's not much left. Technology in a digital footprint didn't really exist back in
0: 1980, like like things do today.
2: Oh, it's it is entirely different. I mean, this case file now has been digitized by the by the agents working for the TBI. The, the <laughs> everything was typed or handwritten put into, I guess, cardboard boxes and as far as case file notes. Uh, there's much more documentation today. So uh, not, you know, the, the lack of, of record keeping then, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard for me to speak to what normal practices were in 1980 versus what they are in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but totally. I, I will say going back to, what what you mentioned about there was an allegation that something was missing you know that's that has been one of the major hurdles in this case is there's lots of quote allegations and there's lots of rumor and uh, beliefs that are based to some degree on maybe partial truths maybe partial untruths but we have spent a great deal of time trying to uh, you know answer questions on specific allegations and get and, and investigate what I call those threads of the investigation, you know, you have to sometimes work down a, an entire thread of, of items before you get a truth or an absolute.
0: Right, yeah, so so that's a, a, a good point about the trues and the untrues, and one of the, one of the common themes that we've come across um, when we've spoken to Stewart County residents is that there's been a hesitancy, and in some cases a fear to share some information previously with local and state law enforcement. Um, you know, we know from our experience that the the family much appreciates and trusts you guys and how much you are doing and the current TBI um, with regards to this case. But is it fair to say that potentially the case wasn't potentially handled properly 40 years ago when? the the murders occurred? Did
2: you say four or 40 years ago?
0: 40. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, again, uh, I'm
2: 44 years old. I I don't know how they handled it in real time, in real person, in 1980. Uh, All I can tell you is, is, I guess, after the fact, looking back, anybody can armchair quarterback uh, an investigation. It's, it's much easier to look back and criticize and say what should have been done. Uh, what I can tell you is every case I've ever had as a p- career prosecutor, I can look back and say, well, I wish we would have done this. Uh, there's always that. Now, was I think the, the, the more appropriate inquiry should be did someone intentionally mishandle or intentionally fail to do uh, certain portions of the investigation. And I can answer that as in the affirmative. Yes. I mean, we, we have, uh, examples of where uh, a TBI agent from out of the Henry County uh, area uh, of the state, which is obviously the adjoining county, uh, failed to log certain reports for over a year. Now, was that, uh, laziness or forgetfulness or intentional? I, I can't prove that. And this agent is dead. So. You know, they're, they're, and, I, and I also think that contributes to why people maybe bleed over and blur the line between intentional misconduct versus just dropping the ball and not doing something.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's very difficult to to prove the difference
1: between the two. Yes. And especially it if they're not here to answer for that. Yes. Um. So jumping forward, also too, in, in what ways has the this in, this pandemic impacted the case moving in moving forward, or has it at all?
2: <laughs> yeah, so the pandemic has affected everything in the criminal justice system, including investigations. Uh, you know, right now we're under a, 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 an order from the Tennessee Supreme Court. We can't have in-person hearings uh, through the end of March. So. In a similar manner, interviewing people, tracking down folks has become more difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are, uh, you know, hesitant to meet face to face because of the COVID. Uh, law enforcement agencies have uh, different policies on how to handle face to face interviews because of the COVID. So, just generally speaking, the pandemic has uh, made it tougher to do anything. Investigations. Hearings, trials, everything.
0: So, so we understand also that the the DNA was being tested as well. Is there anything you can share with us about that process?
2: Yeah. So, as you, I think, you know that the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation uh, tested many many items at their laboratory, and then last year we were able to get funding to send. Uh, A large number of items, in fact, all of the items, to a private laboratory in uh, Florida. So myself and Agent Zach Burkhardt personally, uh, as the chain of custody, uh, took the items uh, in custody of the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. We flew directly to uh, Fort Lauderdale, to the laboratory, and submitted, uh, I can't remember the exact number of items that were taken. So those items are are still at the laboratory and, and uh, you know we don't we don't
1: have all of the results that's great news that you were able to um get those items there and i'm sure the pandemic again has affected <laughs> that process as well
2: oh no doubt it backs up the laboratories i mean uh, we, we've seen that in our own state
0: yeah so obviously you guys are are, are waiting on evidence and there's um potentially a lot of other other information that you guys are tracking down but would you actually anticipate that this case could be headed to court in the future
2: well that is the goal of of my goal and the tbi goal is to uh, gather enough evidence to charge the persons responsible for this the double homicide now if I had to uh, tell you a date certain of when someone would be, would be charged, that wouldn't be fair for me to say because uh, right now we're just not at that point. And right now, I can't tell you when any case in this district is
1: going to trial. <laughs> yeah, right. Because of the pandemic. Mhm. Yeah. Um, and do you think, like, as this case is heating up, do you anticipate that someone or or more more than one person is losing sleep right about now?
2: hope so and there there are in my position two or three that should be
1: that's good to hear uh-huh. um and i guess and, oh go ahead well, me,
2: can i elaborate on that yeah there, you know, there's going to be things that i'm not going to share to the public and to the podcast obviously as they are investigative techniques and, and information we have that we hope to leverage into more evidence so uh it's, it's important to know that I can have a personal belief as to who has committed this crime. Uh, that does not mean that I have enough evidence today, right? This day in January of 2021 to charge that person, which is why this is an ongoing investigation.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that was actually what I was about to ask you next was, you know, is there any way you know, that our listeners can help you in your quest to solve this case? Or is there, you know, anything that you would like to, you know, ask or anything that you wanted to share to, you know, to finish up this interview? Is there anything that you want to say?
2: Yes. What would be extremely helpful for this case is, is for myself or the TBI combined to meet with people who can remember specific facts that they witnessed in September of 1980. You know, we have a closet full of statements (laughs) and uh, interviews of people that heard something from somebody who heard something, but I need to hear from live, able-bodied people today that can remember, that have a good recollection of where they were uh, on September the 17th of 1980, who they saw. Even if they didn't see Carla or Vicki, it it would be nice to be able to timestamp and get a a, a 100% uh, timeline down of events that were happening in and around Stewart County on September 16th, 17th, and 18th. Again, even if you didn't see Carla or Vicki, you may have seen someone who we are interested in. Uh, we're, We're needing to put people in Stewart County on September the 17th and you know there are enough I will say rumors uh information floating about where I think the general public has a uh, vague idea of some of the people that are being investigated and if you've seen if you saw any of those people in Stewart County on September 17th we want to hear about it or if you saw them on the September the 16th or the 18th for that matter anytime in September of
1: 1980. Yeah. Well, General, we can't thank you enough for coming on today and especially on your busy day and taking time to speak with us. So thank you so much. If there's anything else we can do to help you in your, um, in your quest to solving this case, we really appreciate your time.
2: And thank you. I appreciate you all following the case and thank you for bringing attention to it.
1: Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Wow, that was a great interview with uh, General Crouch. We'd like to thank him so much for taking time out of his day for coming on the show. We'd love to have him back again one day.
0: Yeah, he had some great information to share, and I'm glad he was able to give us the latest and greatest on what's going on with the investigation and the progress that they're making. That's really, really exciting
1: yeah, you really get us insight of, you know, what's going on. And I think, you know, everybody keeps asking us what's going on with the DNA. I think every day I'm getting, you know, text (laughs) and everybody wants to know what's happening. So I think it's very understandable that, um, it takes some time Mm. and, you know, and especially with the pandemic, I mean, I know we seems like we keep beating that to death about the pandemic, but I mean, I, I think it's a valid, you know, point, like, what are we supposed to do? I mean, it's causing delays in my um,
0: packages that I'm having shipped to my house. So you can only imagine what it does to to DNA testing. (laughs) It's
1: literally causing delay in like our entire world. You know, you can't get your hair done. I mean, what else are you supposed to do? So anyway, we'd really like to thank General Krauss for coming on and, you know, we know his life is busy. This is not the only case in his, you know, world going on right now. so um, thank you again, General, for coming on. We'd love to have you um, come back on and update us again in the near future. So thank you.
0: And one of the most interesting things, um, which I just found, I don't know, who. I guess it was kind of meant to be, is that Amelia and I were initially planning on doing this episode um, the day the world stood still, even prior to connecting with General Crouch and having him come on. And I can tell just from us really focusing on that time period and that day and wanting information about that day um, and being in such alignment with what he is looking for also from our listeners and from the community um, it's just really great to see that we're all on the same page and that we're all looking to really focus on the mission of bringing justice for Carla and Vicki I think that was like the, the biggest Uh Aha, not uh aha, but the biggest like comfort for me is that Amelia, you and I have been doing this podcast because we really want to help bring closure for the family and safety for the community. And from what we hear from um, General Crouch, his sole mission is to do the same thing.
1: No, exactly. I was blown away with his final statement Mm -hmm. i mean we'd already recorded part of this episode and you know we'd already put out that the title of this episode is the day Mm -hmm. the world stood still and when you know we asked him if he had anything to say to our our listeners and he came out with his final sentence i was like oh my gosh it's like he was reading our minds Mm -hmm. so like you said it does seem to be that we're all on the same page and we're all headed in the same direction as to what happened that day and or What did everybody see that day? Like, we're missing something, right? There's something missing, and there's something, you know, somebody saw something that day. Mm -hmm. So, what is that piece? And we need you to call us and, like, just tell us what you saw. Again, even if it wasn't about the girls, even if you didn't see the girls that day, call us and tell us your story. And, you know, you can reach out to us and just, again, even if you just want to tell us about your day, I know I'm repeating myself again, but just tell us about that day. Um, tell us what your parents told you. Tell us what your teacher told you that day. We just want to hear your stories, and we can keep it, you know, anonymous if you want. If you, if you want us to record you and go on the show, we'll put you on the show if you'd like to be on there. Mm-hmm. We we would love to, you know, hear some of the stories about that day. Um, and you can call us on our hotline at 609-429-0371. Mm-hmm. And if you also have a tip, um, you can call us as well. And again, we'll keep your name anonymous. Um, but if also if you do want to be on the show and tell us one of your great stories about that day, you know We'd yeah, love I'll to put it. you on. Mm-hmm. Yeah um, it's up to you, you know, you know that we do keep our sources anonymous mm-hmm. um, That's one of one of the things that you know, we've always yeah. promised um, But call us up and tell us your story. We'd love to hear these like we've shared stories today and um, We're so happy to be back. Yeah, and let's get this season rolling Uh, But again, like Lainey said from the very beginning, there's a lot of information that we can't publicly share. So we don't want to put out episodes that's full of fluff. (laughs) We don't want you to just, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to just put information out to just be putting it out. We do want to put out important information and truthful information. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, again, the number is (laughs) 609-429-0371. Call us. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Right. It's great to be back. Thank you for listening to Murder at Land Between the Lakes. Music by Indy44. Produced by Discrepancy Podcast. Hosted and edited by Lainey Sullivan and Amelia Courtney.